Father, we do lift up this time. God, we pray that, Lord, you would just work in our hearts. And we desire, God, that we could learn today and not just learn something intellectually, but God, we can learn with our hearts how to draw closer to you, how to, how to walk with you, how to love you more, how to serve others better. So I pray that you would bless this time. I pray that it would be an encouragement to all of us. And Lord, that as we work through your word, that God, we would be, we would be people who are edified, who are built up, ready to go out and do the work of the ministry in this generation right now at this time that we could be effective in what's going on around us. So Lord, bless this time we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've been watching online, we started this last week, and I was going to teach this whole section last week, and we didn't get through it. We didn't make it all the way through. I wanted to go for it. I just have to tell you guys, nobody's here, you know, when, we're, when we were doing it. There's just a bunch of empty seats. I was ready to go for it. I thought, hey, you guys are in your PJs. You got your feet up. You don't care. I was going to go for it. The team in the back is doing this. So I had to quit. They're, like, rude to me. But anyway... Uh, we had to stop. We kind of stopped in the middle. And so I'm going to refresh a little bit, and then we're going to get started. But I want to remind us, once again, studying the book of James, the books of James and Galatians, we're talking about faith, and we're talking about making our faith a reality in our lives. And how does that happen? And James has given us some great practical things. Galatians has given us some challenges and letting us know there's a difference between, uh, between uh, the, the walking with the Lord in faith and the law and getting legalistic and getting bent out of shape that way. And then he comes to this point and as Paul has just been talking about liberties in Christ and freedom and law and how that looks in our lives, then he comes to this point and we looked at last week, he says, listen, in verse 16, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts or the desires of the flesh. And I wanna go over that one more time, walking in the spirit, because there are some people, I think when they just hear the word spirit or Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, their minds automatically go to some kind of mystical thing that, that, you know, there must be some kind of sensation or mystical thing that happens to me or, or, or whatever. And when we don't get that sensation or mystical thing or, or, you know, we're not walking eight inches off the ground and, and doing that, then what's wrong with me? I'm not walking in the spirit. I'm not, listen, I'm not a real mystical guy. I've never been mystical and so I didn't bring that into my Christianity. And, and I expect certain things from the Lord. I expect a relationship. I expect emotion. I expect feelings. But the whole mysticism kind of bothers me because here's the thing. You're telling me if I'm not having those mystical experiences, then I'm not experiencing God. And it discourages me, bums me out. On the other hand, you have the legalist people who say, you know, the way you walk in the spirit is you're perfect, you do everything right, you have a close cut hair, you have a suit on and, and, and all of these things and, and you talk like this and your hands are always like this and, and you're doing that. And here's what I know, I can't do that. I'm not that guy. So then I get discouraged. And that bums me out. Walking with the Spirit, I believe, is a very simple, simple thing. And I think I said last week 
Someone tells, people tell me sometimes, man, you make the Bible so simple. You know why I do that? Because that's who I am. I don't purposely try and say, can I make this simple? I'm simple. So if it's complex, I can't get it. And so I just give you what I get. And here's the thing, walking in the spirit is this simple. It's walking with God. Now you say, how do I walk with God? Well, number one, the best place to start is you get in his word. He gave us this book we call, that's actually 66 books, that is a revelation of who he is. It's a revelation of the relationship we're supposed to have with him. If I get into this and I begin to understand who he is, I start hanging out with him. And that's walking in the spirit. I'm hanging out with God and I start moving forward. That's what this word here in verse 16, just start going and start walking with him. So again, it's not real difficult. Don't make it complex or you're gonna be discouraged. You're never gonna do it and you're gonna feel like you have a defeated Christian life and you're not gonna try. So just hang out with God. That's what he's telling us to do. And here's what I know. When I am reading my Bible, and I am praying, and I am hanging out with other Christians, I don't fulfill the desires of the flesh. I don't, usually, or not as much. But listen, that's what he's telling us to do, so we need to understand that. So that's walking in the spirit, and, and he tells us we have this battle going on. And again, I don't think we need to explain that. Most of you sitting in here today are born again. You know that there's a battle going on. You fight it every day. You deal with it every day. And, and so again, I don't think we need a lot of explanation. And then he gets into, in verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident. And I'm not going to go over those again completely. I'm going to talk about them a little bit. But when he talks about, first of all, I want us to notice, he says works, plural. The works of the flesh are evident. And then he gives us that list. And we went through that last time. And then he says, and such things. So listen, this isn't a complete list of the things that our flesh does. By the way, we define flesh is not this flesh and blood. It's that part of us, that fallen part of us that wants to do gross things, and we battle that, and it's not, you know, it's not, it's not that old man, it's the flesh inside of us, it's our, we might call it this, our sin nature, and we talked about it. You don't become a sinner by sinning. You sin because you are a sinner. You were born a sinner, and you know, sometimes I say, hey, just get an infant and bring them home. They'll start sinning real quick. You don't have to teach them. They just do it. Even, and you know, sometimes people have never had kids. They go, oh, come on. Those who have had kids say amen, right? I mean, you bring them home right away, and they're just like all in your face, and they're self-centered because that's who they are, and they're sinners. So listen, it's that sin nature in us that we battle every single day. And so he gives us a list of some of the things that we battle. By the way, it's not a complete list. Here's some more lists if you want some more things. If you, if you, you know, you, I, I, this list is enough for me. I go through this list in Galatians chapter five and I go, uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, I don't do that one. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, not that one. So maybe two or three. And then, hey, it's stuff we do all the time. 
And then in Mark chapter 7, Romans chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 1 Timothy chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 3, Revelation chapter 21, just add to that list. Just give you more things to, to talk about. So he lists plural works. And when I think about works, I think about, listen, I think about something that's just produced by a machine or I think of toil and labor and difficulty. And that's what, listen, that's what these things cause in our lives. So before we move on though, I do wanna talk about, we grouped these in, in uh, uh, groups last time and we talked about, uh, talked about the sexual sins and uh, kind of defined them and looked at them and I'm not gonna go over that again. But I do wanna say something because I was gonna wrap up with that and then you know the guys in the back cut me off and wouldn't let me finish. And, and so I wanna wrap up with this. Sex is good. I don't want us to go away being prudish and thinking sex is not good. God gave us sex. God made it, and it's a good thing when it is practiced within the bonds of marriage. God gave us the way to do it, the how to do it, but it's a very good thing. I don't want people going away thinking we should never do that. That's, that's like, that's not biblical thinking. So I wanted to clarify that. It's okay, it's good. As a matter of fact, it's wonderful when it's done the way God says to do it. So having said that now, he goes through that list and then he says this in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is, and before we get into that, I want us to think about something. First of all, he says fruit, listen carefully, not fruits, plural. He says fruit singular. I think that's important. He says I think there's one fruit and it's these flavors that we're gonna look at. Now, when I think of fruit, opposite of work, when I think of work, I think bummer. When I think of fruit, here's what I think of. I think of that most luscious piece of fruit. For me, for me it might be a peach. Like you know when you get that perfectly ripe peach and it's just, it's just soft enough so when you bite it, it starts going down like this, right? You guys know what I'm talking about, huh? And it's just going down and you're going like this. And then you suck on it a little bit to get the juice and it's just like, oh, yes. That's what I think of when I think of fruit, right? Yes, something like that. I think of work, no. Fruit, yes, right? And you're, it can be whatever, whatever your favorite is, but that's what I think. And then before we get into them, the last thing I want to emphasize is this. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Not the fruit of Pat, not the fruit of you. It's the fruit of the Spirit as he works in your life. Fruit develops in your life because you have this abiding relationship. You have this connection with him. So as you're connected and walking with God and have this relationship, the spirit produces this fruit in your life and you're going along and guess what, man? You are that peach to somebody, right? You're that, and, and something that, that fruit does and does well is it nourishes. And I want us to think about that as we're going through this. Fruit nourishes. How nourishing are you? in the community, in your home. How are we doing? Because hey, if I'm producing fruit, I gotta be nourishing the people around me with 
the nourishment that comes from God. So that's the fruit of the Spirit. Now, for me, here's what I believe. I believe when he's talking about fruit, I believe he's talking about one fruit, and that fruit is love. I think joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and, and uh, 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 self-control, I think all of that is, is describing what love is really like. But I think the fruit of the Spirit is love. And we have that love. You know, people will say, what is the evidence that the Spirit is in your life? And, you know, a Pentecostal, charismatic type church might say it's speaking in tongues or exhibiting the gifts or whatever. I think the, the evidence of the Spirit working in you and through you is this one thing, fruit. And I think that fruit is love. And how are you interacting with the world around you, with the community around you, with those close to you, even the church around you? What does it look like? Are you somebody that's causing contention and strife and bitterness or are you somebody who's nourishing? You know, there's those people you just want to get around, right? Because you just kind of, you kind of, and, and you turn into that life sucker, man. You just start sucking some life out of them. And then there's those who just suck life out of you, right? And I, hey, do you want to be that person that somebody goes, man, I get around them, I feel so good. And good in a way, not in an emotional sense, I feel closer to God. I feel like I have a better, so a better relationship. So here's the fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And then he says joy, peace, patience. I, I say patience, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. So love. What does love look like biblically? And I think a lot of us know about this. But we have one word for love, right, in our English language. We have one word. In the Greek, they have four words at least. But we have that one word, right? Like I love Gaynell, my wife, and I love ice cream. And I say that. Now, if I love Gaynell, do I love the Gaynell like I love ice cream? I really love ice cream, but do I? Do I? No. It's too different emotions or two different feelings, if you will. So it's difficult for us, although we kind of get accustomed to it in, in the English language, but in the Greek, they had four different words. The word used here and biblically, and by the way, the New Testament kind of raised this whole, this word to a whole different level. It was used before, but not like it's used in the New Testament, and that's the word agape. And agape is a love that's more of an act of the will than it is an act of the heart. It's something you choose to do, something you determine to do, and you do it. It's not, I'm moved because of my heart, but I'm moved because I'm going to love somebody. God loves us, period. If you're born again today, do you know that God loves you? I hope you do. If you're born again today, do you know he loves you as much as he's ever gonna love you? You don't have to get more love from him. You don't have to try and earn something from him. He has chosen to love you, and if you're kinda like me, I got a question, you know, why did he choose to love me? I'm not the most lovable person. I even the other day was asking Gaynell, why did you marry me? Like, I don't think I would've married me. And she said, because I love you. And we had a romantic moment, it was so good. But, but anyway, as you think about that and you think about 
uh, uh, choosing and you make a choice. It's not based on emotion. It's not based on what somebody can do for you. That's agape love. And that's the love that God gives to us. And it's the love that he wants to flow through us to others. Now there's three other words. One of them is it's, it's uh, in the Greek, it's eros. We get erotic from that. It's more of a passionate, uh, romantic type love that's described. And then the next one is phileo, which is more of a, a brotherly or, or, you know, your friends, you love people around you. Philadelphia is kind of after that, the city of brotherly love and type thing. And I, whenever I hear that, I think not. But anyway, uh, just because I've been there several times. But, uh, but phileo is more that. And then the, the last one is kind of a family love storge. So you have, you have kind of, so you have different expressions. And obviously you don't love your spouse the same way you would love a member of your family a brother or sister but the Greek has that differentiation we don't but agape he's talking about agape love that love that is self that we determined to do that we we're going to do and I feel that is the fruit of the spirit and then he begins to define it now here's my question to us is the spirit bearing fruit in your life you see, is there this love that's demonstrated towards others, towards strangers, towards people you don't even know? Are you, are, you, are you allowing the Spirit to do that in your life? Because I think as we grow and mature, it comes more and more and more. But I think even when we're first born again, maybe you've only been saved a month, maybe a week or something, I still think, man, nah, you know that God has changed something inside of you. If you're truly born again, you know that something changed. And that's the spirit producing fruit. I think in my life, when I was a newer believer, this is kind of a, I think a fun story, but it's a little bit embarrassing and a little bit transparent. And some of you may leave the church over it, but it's okay. But when I was first born again, I, I continued to drink for quite a while. And I'd worked all day and I went to the Circle K and I bought a 12 pack of beer. And the lady gave me too much change. And I told her, I said, ma'am, you gave me too much change. I was so blessed inside. I was thinking, wow, it, hey, before, I'd have taken that money and ran and said, whoa, got a tip. But I said, here, you gave me too much. Here's the money back. You shouldn't do that. You know, it's kind of hard. And she went, oh, thank you. And it was a wonderful thing. Then I went to Bible study that night. And I'm busting, man. I'm busting buttons. I'm so, I'm so blessed by God working through me and, and this fruit I'm bearing. So we get ready for the Bible study and, and they go, you know, they're, they're talking. I go, I got to share something. I got to share something. It was, a, it was a home group. And they said, okay, what, what is it? And I go, man, today I went to the Circle K and I was buying a 12-pack of beer. That's all some of them ever heard. They didn't hear the rest of the story. They're like, <gasps> like some of you right now, you heard that and you went, our pastor? And they never heard the rest. And I'm trying to tell them, and God blessed me and he used me. And they're like, no, man, you bought beer. Don't judge people, right? So listen, man, the fruit of the spirit, I'm going, yes, there's fruit in my life. He's working. So you have this love and then look at this. And I'm not gonna explain all of these. I'm gonna talk about them some. But he says, hey, you have love. And then you have a description of that love is joy, Joy not based on circumstances, but joy, period. Right now, we're going through a tough time, right? Difficult time. Do you have joy? 
Do you have joy deep down in your heart? Are you somebody who's exhibiting that to somebody else? Can they see that you have some joy? That's what bums me. And, and I know some of you are wearing masks and it's okay. But I get bummed out when I'm out in the public and I'm in shopping and people have masks on. I can't tell if they have joy or not. I want to like go, are you happy? <laughs> nope, okay. You know, it's kind of like, and then I smile at people and they don't smile back because they don't, they got a mask on. And I'm thinking, smile. And then I look at the, I start looking at their eyes, right? Yeah, you're not smiling, I can tell. But do you have that joy in spite of circumstances, in spite of what's going on? It's a joy that comes from the Holy Spirit working in your life. How about peace? Are you having peace? This is, you know, some people describe it this way, the peace of God and peace with God. I get that, but do you, do you have, do you have that, that peace that people can't understand? How about when you get like the worst news in your life? Do you have a peace? You see, that's the fruit working. That's that, that love. I remember when I planted the church in Bisbee and we started the, the church and uh, I had gone to, I'd gone to an optometrist to get my eyes checked. And he said, hey, you know, he goes, your pressure's a little high. You probably should go see an ophthalmologist. And he goes, no, nothing to worry about. I just, I just noticed that and you probably should go take care of that. So I went at that time, there was Dr. Rod K here in town and, and I went to him and, and you know, they said, yeah, you can see him in about six and a half years. He had like a huge waiting list. And, and uh, I said, well, just give me the first appointment, you know, and, and uh, so I finally got in. It was a long time. I finally got in and he went ballistic. And he started going nuts. It's never good when your doctor starts panicking. And he's like, and, and if any of you knew, know Dr. Rodke, his bedside manner was not the best on a good day. So he's like going nuts. And I'm thinking, here's what I'm thinking. I'm sitting in the chair going, I'm dying. He's just like, free, uh, doctors shouldn't freak out in front of patients. So if you're a doctor, write that down. Do not freak out in front of your patients. So he's going nuts, and, and, and he goes, you need to get this taken care of. You need to, no, 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 I'm going, and using some creative language. And I'm going, wow. And the nurse noticed, like, I'm sitting there like this, like some of you are right now. And I'm just like, deer in the headlights. And she goes, are you okay? And I go, yeah, I'm fine. The whole thing, I'm thinking, I think I'm dying right now. And she said, did you need to ask anything? Well, he told me I had to get a CAT scan, and I had to get it right now. I didn't know what a CAT scan was. Now I'm being a little transparent. It was a little embarrassing. I had no idea what a CAT scan was. But I knew I needed one now. So I'm like this, and she goes, do you have any questions? Now, I'm too embarrassed, too proud to say, hey, what's a CAT scan? So here's what I did. How much does a CAT scan cost? What a stupid thing to ask. And she goes, eh, they're about $800. I go, I don't have that much money. The whole time I'm thinking, so I'm walking out of the office kind of stunned, and they did it. And uh, so then I go, I end up going to Tucson. So the, in the CAT scan, they found out I had a tumor behind my eye. And the tumor behind my eye was as big as my eye. So from the top of my head, I had three eyeballs. And they thought the one was wrapped around the optic nerve. So I go to see a doctor and he says, you know, that's around your optic nerve. He just said it like that. And you're gonna lose the sight in that eye. Peace, I had total peace. 
It wasn't wasn't because I practiced. It was just God just gave me that peace. And I go, okay, that's fine. He goes, no, you're not understanding. You're going to be blind in that eye. All right, I got it. He said, listen, blind. I said, I know the definition of blind. I understand what you're saying. He said, no, really, you're really going to be blind. I go, I got it. I'm fine. And he said, do you want to see a, a, a therapist? And, get some, and I go, no, but I think you need to because you're like freaking out over this. This is, again, a doctor. Doctor shouldn't freak out in front of their patients. Now it turned out, I, I, I told this story two services and last service somebody goes, you never finished the story. Do you see out of that eye? Yes, I do. I did have the surgery. It wasn't wrapped around my optic nerve, so everything was okay. But my point is, when they told me I was going to be totally blind, I just had this peace. Do you have that? Now, I'm not trying to boast. I'm saying that is a work of God in my life. And so it's not a peace like when everything's fine. Woo, I'm fine. It's a peace like when everything is crumbling. You still got peace? You got peace going through COVID-19? Yeah, peace is the world is like the weirdest place I've ever lived in my life. And it's like, what happened to, you know, what happened from March 10th to now? And this is crazy, right? Do you have peace? Because that's fruit. So here's what Paul's saying. Have fruit so you have peace. And then, and then as he goes through this, you have peace, you have patience. <laughs> that's the funnest one, isn't it? Isn't it crazy how God works on us? Here's what people will say. Don't pray for patience because if you do, God is going to test you. What kind of God is that? Hey, God, can I have patience? Oh, I'm going to destroy your life. You know, when people, if you use that same theology, then why don't you pray that you would be broke and watch him dump money on you? You know, I'm thinking that's just like dumb theology. So, hey, here's what I believe. When you pray for patience, I believe you immediately get patience. Because God wants us that way, right? He wants to produce a fruit in our life. And then circumstances come up for you to exercise that patience, and you're like, and then here's what we do. God, I pray for patience, and you didn't give it to me. He goes, oh, I gave it to you. You just didn't use it. Think about that next time you're like going nuts. Think about, think about that. And then, listen, then he says patience. He says kindness is kind of, you know, we kind of know these words. Goodness, moral character or moral excellence, faithfulness we get, gentleness, self-control. Self-control, how about this? Restraining, Restraining our passions and appetites. Do you get passionate about something? So here's what, here's what Paul's saying. If you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh, but instead you will produce fruit. And fruit nourishes people. Are you nourishing to people? Are you going out in the community and being nourishment to others? Or are you one of those like the doctors I had and you're freaking out around those and here's what people are going, man, if the Christians are freaking out, I'm really freaked out. Saints, Let's have some fruit out there. Let's be walking fruit. And he says, listen, at the end of this, he says, against such there's no law. Have you noticed as somebody that is really, quote, walking in the spirit, and I'm not talking about legalists, I'm not talking about mystics, I'm talking about somebody that has that solid relationship with God. Have you ever noticed that they don't need a list of rules and regulations? 
They don't need a bunch of rituals to do. Why? Because they're walking with God. If you're walking with God, he's gonna guide you and direct you. You don't have to give me a list. The Holy Spirit guides me, directs me. Now, do I follow him perfectly? No, but that's what Paul is talking about. So we need to get that now. I say it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. He's working in us. But here's what I know. To get good fruit, you gotta do some cultivating, right? Like, I have an apricot tree. Now, the tree's gonna make the apricots, not me. But if I wanna get really good ones, I'm digging up around it, I'm feeding it, I'm fertilizing it, I'm taking care of it. If I don't do that, I'm gonna get funky fruit, right? And nobody wants to be funky fruit. So, Having said that, here's how we cultivate. Listen, it's walking with him, but here's how we cultivate. He gives us three things that I think are real simple in 24 and 25. By the way, someone asked this question if, if this was ongoing in our life, and it is, but if you ask that question, here's your answer on Thursday night. It says, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Three things he wants us to know. Number one, we belong to Jesus. We are Christ. Number two, we need to crucify the flesh. Number three is we need to walk in the spirit or live in the spirit, and that will cultivate this fruit in our life, and we will get good fruit. So first of all, do you know that you belong to Jesus? Like, I know I belong to Jesus. I don't question that. I don't get up in the morning and go, man, I hope, I hope Jesus still loves me. I get up in the morning, I say, thank you for loving me. Thank you for being my God. Thank you for being my savior. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for working in my life. And then, listen, then he says this thing that I think is difficult for us. He says, and those who are Christ, if you know that, then he says, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now, here's what a lot of people read into this, and I don't think it's accurate. A lot of people, in Galatians 2.20, what does it say? I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live in the flesh, but, I live in, but Christ lives in me, guides me, and directs me, right? I have been. Romans chapter six says, we were buried with him, and we rose with him, and that crucifixion. So a lot of us think Galatians 5.25 is the same thing. I have been. No, he's not talking. Listen, the old man was crucified with Christ. If you haven't noticed, your flesh is still alive. And by flesh, here's what I mean. Sinful desires, your sin nature. Is that still alive in you guys? Those of you who are still awake? Sure, it's still alive in you. It's kind of good to see your faces, but some of you need to put on a smiley. Thank you. So listen. The flesh is still alive, right? Don't you have those desires? So obviously it's not, the flesh has not been crucified. The old man in Adam, we talked about this last time, the old man in Adam is dead and gone. That's the man who had flesh first, then the soul, then the spirit is on life support. Now you have, if you're born again, spirit, soul, and the flesh is down here. The flesh is still there, it's still active. He says we battle with it every day. But here's what he says, man, if you belong to Christ, you have, as an individual, you have crucified the flesh. Have you? A lot of us, man, we get him up there, boom, 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 we nail, and then we leave a little bit of the nail out just in case we wanna pull it off and bring him down. Because you know, man, he looks so pitiful up there. 
poor guy. And we, we begin to play with the flesh a little bit. Here's what we begin to think. Well, he's pretty, you know, he's pretty worn out. I'll bring him down. He's not as powerful. He gets powerful quick. Saints, crucify the flesh. Do it when, when somebody was crucified, it was finished. It was it. They knew that. Does your flesh know you're finished with it? Have you talked to your flesh? I talk to myself all the time, so it's not a big deal. Do you tell your flesh, I'm, I'm done? No. I am, listen to this, I am Christ. You can't do this to me. I belong to him. Stop it. And you gotta listen. You gotta make that decisive and real. Now, some of you are going, Pat, that's a little bit weird. Okay, look at, look at, look at Luke chapter nine. You can, you can look it up. You can write this down. I'm gonna read it to you. Here's what Jesus said. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's how a lot of people read that verse. They leave out the most important word. Let me put the word in there. Let him take up his cross daily. Daily. You have to remember daily who you are. And you've got to remind your flesh daily. You're dead. I crucified you. I don't want to have anything to do with you. I'm going to do this. I think this is the key. Listen, this is a key to bearing fruit. And I want to bear fruit. I want to be somebody who's doing that. So daily, I need to remember, man, I crucified you, man. I need to tell that flesh, get out of here. You stink. You're rotten. And we do that. And then he says, and then live in the spirit. And he says, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. You see, the first time he talked about walking in the spirit, it was just let's get going. The second time, the second word, he, it's two different Greek words. The second time he brings it up, here's what he's saying. We're staying in step with. We're in tune with. We're living in the spirit, not a woo sense, but I am actually living and thriving because the spirit of God is working in me. Do you want to see the world the way God sees the world? I do. Do you, in the midst of this whole COVID thing, have you ever stopped and prayed and said, God, let me see what you see, not what CNN sees, not what Fox sees, not what CBS sees. I want to see what you see right now because I want to bear fruit in this time of this difficult time that people are going through and I want to play games about it. I want to do it. Saints, who is going to change the world if it's not us? I believe we live in one of the greatest times. We have the greatest opportunity in front of us to make an impact in the world by bearing fruit, by bringing nourishment to those who need nourishment and giving them the love of Christ that nobody else is gonna give them. You and I can do that. How exciting is that? Some of you aren't too excited. Come on, let's get out there and let's, let's change the world. That's what we're called to. So he says, hey, you're gonna bear fruit? Oh, and then he wraps this up with, he says this, check this out. Here's the opposite. We're gonna go out and we're gonna make a difference or verse 16, let us not, I'm sorry, 26, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. You know what that tells me in Galatia, in the church in Galatia? They were conceited. Tells me they were provoking one another. Life suckers. 
They suck the life out of you. And they're people, man. And, and have you ever met those people that think they've arrived spiritually? Come on, all of us have. And you're just like looking at them going, ugh. And then they kind of provoke you. Well, you know, if you were spiritual like me, you would be doing this. And then you're like, <laughs> and he says, hey, do you want to do that? I look at it this way, like the fruit. Here's the thing. Do you want to go out there and be fruit, that luscious, whatever your favorite is? And it's just like, oh, yes. Or, and this is going to offend some of our British brothers and sisters. Or do you want to be Marmite or Vegemite? Some of you have no expression. If you've ever tasted Marmite or Vegemite and you're not British, it's terrible. Uh, don't, you gotta be British. You gotta be born in England, I think, to like it. Otherwise, it's like, Phew. And I, you put it in and you just go, what is in my mouth? So, so here's the thing. Love you Brits. Are you gonna go out and you're gonna be Vegemite? Are you going to be fruit? In other words, when people get done with you, are they going to go, oh, man, that was like the best I ever had? Or are they going to go like this? <laughs> it's up to you, saints. Let's cultivate and let's change our world. We have such a tremendous opportunity. I think like never before. People are hurting. People are scared. I don't think they should be, but they are. Well, let's change that. And let's just don't shake fingers at them. Let's go, hey, I want to walk with you through this. I want to love on you. I want to demonstrate to you what my Jesus did for me. So I'm going to be here for you. And let's do that, man. And we will begin to see a move of God like we've never seen before. That's my challenge. So once again, peach, Vegemite, you choose. Let's stand up and pray. Father, we thank you today, Lord, just for your word that encourages us and challenges us. And Lord, I do pray, I pray for everyone standing with me. God, we want to glorify and honor you with our lives. We, have, we all know what's in front of us. We all know what opportunities, what things look like. And I pray, God, that as we walk through this, I pray that we would be that, that fruit. In Corinthians, Paul puts it another way, man. We are the aroma of Christ. And Lord, let us spread that throughout our community, throughout our homes, throughout our workplaces, Lord, throughout the state, the, the nation, the world, just use us to influence this world for God. Let us be that thing that draws people towards you and not repulses people away from you. And I'm gonna ask you to stand the attitude of prayer for a couple more minutes. And if you are here today and you have never, you've never asked Jesus to forgive your sins, You've never asked him to come into your life and guide you, man. Today is the day. Today is the day to call on his name. And I, I want to challenge you to do that. And here's, here's the way. It's pretty simple. You need to admit to God you know that you're a sinner. 
He already knows you're a sinner, but you need to tell him you know you're a sinner and you are a sinner because everyone is sinned. The Bible makes that clear. So we're not just pointing one person out. Everyone has sinned. So when you admit that to God, then you have to be in a place where you're sorry about that sin and you want him to forgive you. And here's the great thing, man. If you ask him to forgive you, I promise you he will. He will forgive your sins. He went to the cross. He paid the price you owed, which is separation from God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, which means separation from God, not just physical death. He paid that price for you, and now he gives you this receipt, and he says, hey, your bill's paid for. I took care of it. All you have to do is take that out of his hand, and you do that by calling on his name, by being honest with him. So if you want to do that here today, say this prayer with me. You can say it out loud. You can say it silently. It's got to be sincere. If you're watching online right now and God is moving on your heart, say this prayer. You don't have to be in this building. Say this prayer with us. Jesus, today I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you. And Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me. Thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you today for your forgiveness. And right now, I'm asking you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, I want you to come into my life and guide me. Today, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. 